Okay, well, I loved every word that, that uh, God gave each individual, and you contributed for the benefit of the whole. And so the ending thing is vision. All of that was so that we would have a proper vision, which goes into a proper identity, which goes into a proper image of, of God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, and thus our proper image that he has given us and made us to be in our own individuality. And so vision, so when, she, when Barbara said vision, it's Proverbs 29 verse 18 says, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. Think about that. Without a vision, the people cast off restraint. Vision there, vision in the Hebrew in that particular sense is this, without a redemptive revelation, that's literally what it says, without a redemptive revelation proceeding from a source, from a proper object, from a proper image, the people become ungovernable. They become unruly. They, be, they live functioning without rule. Or with real, and rule means without a guide. Because we know in John 16, verse 13, it's the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. The truth of what we have is a proper vision. It's a redemptive revelation of who Christ is in his person, the work that he has accomplished to his Father for each of us individually. And so without a redemptive revelation, and that redemptive revelation is, it never changes, but it comes very intimately and personally through what we've talked about before, a rhema, a specific word. It's specific counsel that God has for us. And that's what Hebrews 4, verse 16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find mercy to help right in the nick of time. So in the nick of time, are we in the nick of time right here? We are. And everyone mentions a, a specific thing. And it all went together beautifully. And so it really does go beautifully. And the word that I, I had, my particular word this morning, and I'm just going to throw mine in the pot with all of us together, is the word quicken. And I constantly, me personally, I constantly need to be quickened constantly. And it takes in every single word that every single person said here. So you are functioning regardless of what you felt emotionally. You were functioning lit literally. And you had to trust God. Didn't we have to trust God? Huh? Functioning is a joint that would supply. And that was, a, that was a beautiful thing, and I needed that this morning. But my, my word this morning is quicken. Now, when we get, and I want to read from Psalm 119. Now, just to give you a little background about Psalm 119, there are many, many that believe, I think there's two major schools, and, and one really believes that, that David wrote Psalm 119. There's 176 verses there. My own personal convictions and study for, the, for years is the fact that he did not write that based upon 
isagogic study, studying the word in its historical frame of reference. I believe that Ezra wrote that. Ezra, uh, his pastor teacher was Jeremiah. Just to give you a little background and understand. So Ezra was, uh, Jeremiah was Ezra pastor. He had taught him uh, continually and fed him. That's why Jeremiah 3 verse 15 says, I will give you pastors which will feed you. Someone said, fed. I will give you pastors under shepherds, right? Which will feed you the shepherd, (laughs) We're not feeding on the under-shepherds. The under-shepherd with you is feeding on the shepherd. The great, uh, the good shepherd in John 10, verse 11 and 14. The great shepherd of the sheep. We have a great shepherd of the sheep in Hebrews 13, verse 20. And he's our chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5, verse 4. And he said, I will give you pastors according to my heart, my mind, my thoughts, which will feed you. which will feed you with knowledge, right, perception, getting it taught, but then entering into the experience, right? And that's what the word knowledge means. With knowledge and then understanding. So we learn, we need to learn knowledge. We need to go to a place where we're given knowledge. If we're ignorant of it, we don't have it, right? So ignorance means you don't have knowledge. And in one sense, none of us... (laughs) We don't have anything, none of us, unless we submit to him. So knowledge is, it can be declared, put out there. Then when we choose to to receive it and go after it and hunger after it, then that knowledge can enter into a proper experience. And, And so we learn then too by also understanding. And understanding all through the book of Proverbs especially, it means that we learn from our own failures and our own mistakes and trip-ups, and also we learn from others. That's why when anyone even comes against us, we don't go into the blame game. We don't, because they they may have meant it for evil in Genesis 50 verse 20, but God means it for good. It's always teaching us, and we're always learning. So it becomes a learn. It's not a bad thing. It becomes a learning experience. That's what it becomes. And so we don't get into the blame game. And, of course, the blame game always has to do with shame. You can't disassociate blame with personal shame. And that's why most have to find an object when they can't deal with their own shame. They want to put it on someone else and make them be accountable and responsible for it. Thank God we don't have to do that because Christ has taken care of all of that for us. So Ezra had his pastor teacher was Jeremiah. There were three captivities for the Jews. The first one obviously was, was in Egypt and they were there for 400 years. Second one wasn't quite, it wasn't near as long as the Assyrian, but the next longest one was the Babylonian captivity, which lasted seven years, 70 years, I should say. And that is why, and, and why he wrote this. The reason why he even wrote this particular uh, one here. Because we believe, and when you study the Hebrew too, 
as they were led captive, and as they're being led captive, all the men, women, and children, Ezra, (laughs) the things that they went through when they were taken captive, because as a nation, they turned away from God. Then when, and it's like us, when we turn away from God with our submitted will, all the enemies come right in. All the enemies of the flesh. And for us, it could be worry, doubt, fear, or any other kind of attachment that would enter into an addiction. But the whole time they were led back to Babylon, the, the, the women, the young girls were being raped. The, the, the young boys and men were being sodomized, and he, heard, he was listening to their cries. And that not only happened to him, but he has to hear, he's hearing all of this. This is the background of this whole Psalm 119. Because what was coming back to him in the midst of all of, you want to talk about a trial, was all that teaching that his pastor Jeremiah had given him for him to even make it through that. So that is the background. And so, for instance, when you see, when it says princes, and some think that, that, that it could be Daniel, and those are the three main schools, but, you know, because of where it says princes here in Psalm 119, verse 23, princes also did sit and speak against me. Well, yeah, those princes were, those were angelic. That's why I firmly believe, through study and through a process of this, that this is Ezra that wrote this. And when you look at this psalm, it's, it's quite incredible. I mean, you can look at it, 176 verses, but it just there's a lot of truth that's involved in this that we can glean from. But in, in Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, Where... where Will a young man cleanse his way? Where's the place that he can cleanse his way? Well, by taking heed. That's submission. That is submission. That's the will. Not going by emotions, feelings, because we walk by faith in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, not by sight or feelings. We do not do that. We don't do it by our own, and we don't do it with others. So that is how. By taking heed thereunto according to your word. Verse 10, with my whole heart have I sought you. Can we, can we seek God with 98% of our heart and not 2%? And is it actually seeking him if we don't seek him with a whole heart? Now, we're growing experientially, yes, we are. But with my whole heart, I sought you. (laughs) Can you just hear him on the way back, hearing the cries, what he's been through? And then he's crying out with my whole heart. I'm searching you, Lord. Oh, please, because of everything that I've gone through and everything I'm hearing, everything I'm seeing, please don't let me wander from the safety of your word, your commandments, your love commandments, by the way. Your word have I treasured up in my heart. You know, that's what God's doing with us. He's giving us the word right now. He wants, he's treasuring it up. Not only has it dealt with our past, not only is it to keep us in our present, but what is going to come down the pipe for our country? There is absolutely no question about it. If you've done any study of history, look what happened to the nations. Look what happened to the Jews when they forsook 
their king, their, their prophet, their Messiah, Jesus Christ. Look what happened to them. Nation after nation. And study the five cycles of discipline. When you study those things in history and in church history, you'll see some amazing things that come out. So let me not wander. Oh boy, don't let me wander from your word. Oh boy, when I don't seek him with my whole heart, I start to wander. I just wander. And that's when all the enemies are waiting to come in. Your word, but I, your word have I treasured up in my heart. And the only way that the, the only way that I cannot sin against you is your word with my will submitted to it becomes my treasure. I value it far more. It's your thoughts, not mine. It's your will. It's not mine. And I'll be blessed. And, and you're blessed, O Lord. You know, Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 11, verse 7, it says the righteous Lord loves righteousness. He loves when he sees us functioning in his son, the son of his love. He gets blessed. Because his own righteousness is, is going back to him. Just like his love returns to him in the only way. And that's why we teach God is love. There's no such thing as love outside of God. Let's make that clear. And that's why crystal clear in the scriptures, crystal clear from Adam on in that fall, there wasn't a speck of good in a single person, period, ever, period. Not a speck of good in them at all. Okay, because when man fell, he fell completely from God. And became completely and utterly corrupt. If you don't believe me, here's the Bible, Psalm 14, 1 through 3. Psalm 53, 1 through 3. Okay, just to name a few. Jeremiah 30, verse 12, their wound is incurable. Their whole head is sick. It's corrupt. Putrefying sores from the top here to the bottom. Show me the good there. Show me some good in somebody outside of God. Furthermore, goodness is only in God himself. Period. That's why even in Christianity, Christianity is Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Why did he have to crucify the old? Because there was no good in it. Period. These are the scriptures. These are God's thoughts, not man's thoughts and not man's interpretations. Okay? There's not a single person that can do a good thing unless it is God through them. Period. We need to make that crystal, crystal clear. No question about it. Okay? The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint completely. There's no soundness in it. That's what it says. Isaiah 1, 5 and 6. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart, the mind, the leb. Huh? What does it say? It's deceitful and desperately wicked. You couldn't be any more wicked. Where's the goodness in that? You want to show it to me? It's not. Let's just get it straight, okay? The only good that we have is when we, the goodness that God has given us in and through Christ, period. That's it. That is it for any of us. So, with my lips, verse 12, it says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Teach me all those 
all your thoughts that reveal all those beautiful characteristics of who you are. People need to have, honestly, Christians, those that haven't had much teaching, they need to understand these particular truths, okay? Here's what I have to say in Matthew 19, verse 16. Let me, let me see it here. Okay. Matthew 19, verse 16. And behold, one came to him, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing will I do that I may inherit? Um, I may have eternal life. And this is what Jesus said unto him. He said unto him, why do you call me good? Now, was Jesus God in his flesh? Was he good? He was. But what he was saying was, you and your goodness, you're equating your goodness with me. Wrong. Nobody is God's equal. I don't care who they are. None. Well, <laughs> why do you call me good, he said. There is none good. Did you hear that? This is God's word. I don't know. You're going to get counsel somewhere else? <laughs> well, it's my opinion. <laughs> Read Proverbs 18, too, and tell me about what God thinks of your opinion. Did you know that in Psalm 10, verse 4, God said, God is not in all their thoughts. Some think that that means, well, maybe he's in some. No, it's not. It doesn't say that at all. It's saying that God is not in any of their thoughts. If you think there's good in you outside of God and good in somebody else, those are your thoughts. They're not God's thoughts. And as far as, far as the heavens are above the earth, in Isaiah 55, 8 through 11, so far are his thoughts above your thoughts. Furthermore, in Psalm 50, verse 21, it says this, you thought, this is what it says, you thought that I was altogether one just like you. That's what it says. Look, read it to you. This is what it says in Psalm 50. God needs to correct us. And by the way, what he's doing is he's quickening us with truth. He's bringing life into our very experience. He wants us to experience the reality of life. And this is what it says. In Psalm 50, look what it says in verse 21. These things have you done and I kept silent. You thought, notice that, that I was altogether such a one as yourself, but I will reprove you. You know what God wants? He wants to reprove in any Christian. And a Christian is one who has who knows emphatically they have received Christ as their Savior and has paid for their sins because there wasn't an ounce of goodness in them that would equal God doing anything based upon themselves. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's nothing. But I will reprove you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you that forget God. The easiest thing we can do is forget God. How? Through our own thoughts. And then I began to begin to form a God after my own thoughts. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 says this. Huh? They have a form of God. You know what that means? Christian, Christians or unsaved people think somehow they can please God outside of Christ. 
outside of a sacrifice, thinking there's some good in them. You know, like the Buddhist. Anything good in Buddhism? You think there's anything good there? You're deceived. You think so? The Brahmist? The Muslim? You ever see those ridiculous signs, let us all coexist together? Do you ever hear the stupid thing? There are many ways to God. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. You hear that? Because nobody has good in them. Or the Chinese, you know, merge yourself into the system, into the sum of all things. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me what that means. I know what it is, the sum of absolute, proud, ridiculous foolishness. The fool has said in his heart, self-confident, and what's a fool? One who's very self-confident. Psalm 14, 1, 53, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, no, God, no. I'm not going to meet you your way. I'm going to do something, come around. Yeah. Nonsense. 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 It's very interesting how God changes things. <laughs> Listen, he's quickening us with reality. Okay? All have sinned. All have sinned. All. How many? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, verse 23. Romans 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, of course, obviously through Jesus Christ, is eternal life. Okay? Let's, let's not be foolish and mix our thoughts with God's thoughts. If you think outside your Bible, okay, you, it's not that you're going to be deceived. You already are deceived based upon pride in Obadiah 3. They were deceived by their pride. Think like we can do <laughs> like we think we can do anything outside of God. Think about it. We, we, we're we, God is relying on us to do something. Excuse me, I want everybody to raise your hand who chose to be born. Raise your hand. Who counseled God before you were born what you would look like? You tell me. You want to give me a little information on that? You need to get around godly people. Let me tell you something. He that walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. You need to be around the right people. If you're a Christian, you're truly born again, this is, this is Christianity. Galatians 2.20, I am. The I am, everything about me apart from Christ, is crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, I experience life. Listen, this is Christianity. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live by absolute dependence on him, I live through the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I do anything else, and if I do anything else, okay, and two and two twenty-one, guess what I do? I make empty, void everything that God gave through his son and giving him to us. I make it void. I void him out. 
I don't need his son to approach God. Nonsense. Okay? Nonsense. I don't care how many steps you take. And there's a lot of cultic, and I mean, cult, you know what cultic teaching is? Anything that does not have to do with a completeness of the person and work of Christ. It is a cult. Useless, void, no good in it. None. Zero. Okay? John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The flesh profits what? Nothing. Nothing. Doesn't profit a thing. Psalm, again, Matthew 19, verse 17, why do you call me good? There is none good but one. Did you hear, do we, are we hearing God's word this morning? I mean, do we have to, are we going to question it and try and figure it out? We're going to try and figure it out and process it through natural thinking. You know, there's only three forms of perception, by the way. There's called rationalization. You know what rationalization is? I am going to, with my own fallen nature, try and figure out the word and figure out God, apart from Christ. That's rationalization. Next one is empiricism. Feelings. Emotions. Empiricism. And both are meritorious, meaning Meaning, those that think that way think that they have some good in them and, and they deserve God to do something for them, <laughs> apart from Christ. How foolish, wicked, evil, ridiculous is that kind of thinking. I want to make it clear again, this is not what I had prepared. I promise you that. Not at all. But we're being quickened with reality, aren't we? And we're being fed, and we're being loved. And we, God's given us proper vision, and he's encouraging us. I'll tell you, Christians, where all your struggles come from. That's where it comes from. You're mixing, and I would be mixing my thoughts with God's thoughts. And when I do, I don't have good emotions. They're bad. They're bad emotions. That's right, because bad thoughts. Christians, yes. You're not being quickened. You are not having the life enter into your experience. Therefore, you just exist. It's simple. Why do you call me good? Matthew 19, verse 17. There's only one that is good. It's God. Huh. Well, he must know what he's talking about, right? Because, I mean, let's just, let's just think of the... Let's think outside the evil foolishness of evolution. <laughs> Things just evolved. Now, God, before anything was created, there was God. Okay? Period. That's another foolish, obnoxious, ridiculous, putrefying teaching about evolution. My God, if I believe evolution, things bang. First of all, the things that even bang around together, where the heck did they come from? And all, all those fallen, no good who think they are good in their own thoughts, thinkers, thinkers, describe to me the atom in the molecule. Break it down and tell me. <laughs> you can't figure that thing out, can you? <laughs> can't without God. You can't without God. Let me tell you, this is God loving 
people right now. There's no question about it. Listen to me and listen to the word. Love is not God. There's no love in any human being outside of God himself because the Bible makes it clear God is love. And even when we receive him as our savior, and that's extremely necessary. And by the way, in Ephesians 2.8, it is by absolute grace that we're saved. You know what grace is? It's charis, C-H-A-R-I-S in the Greek. It's the unmerited, undeserved kindness and favor of God against the most unworthy objects. That's each one of us outside of Christ before we received him. And it had to be non-meritorious. It had to be. There wasn't any goodness. It wasn't. Not zero. None. Nope. None. Read 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. You want to talk about good. Read Romans 7.18. Read John 6.63. Listen, this is God's word. This is his thoughts, period. Period. All our trouble, all of our confusion comes from a bunch of nonsense that entered into our thinking, and then we get saved, and that has to come out before truth can enter in properly. Otherwise, we start mixing it and get confused. Do you ever hear even a Christian say, there's so much out there, I get so confused. Well, does God have one mind about everything? I mean, would you teach your child how to do something and you knew it was the right way, would you give them three options? Wouldn't that be confusing? God's not the author of confusion in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, but life and peace. Life and peace. And for all those that were just wondering about anything, this is specifically right on from God. Perfect, pure, and complete. And he doesn't need any of our permission to bring it this way. Isn't that wonderful? I think it's precious. I really do. Right? But, Matthew 19, verse 17, but if you will enter into life, if you think you can have life outside of God, people exist and they think that's life. They think that their job, their, uh, their house, their finances, they think that that's life. Nowhere in the scriptures is that life. It's called existence. You're existing. Just like some people think like death speaks, speaks of extinction. Well, you know what? Check any language. It never means that. It never means extinction. It just means separation. That's all it means. And people, because, of their, because they refuse the word of God, because they think they can do it on their own, okay? And none of us can, none of us can. They mix their thoughts with God's thoughts. And they, they enter, and they're very confused. And you know what their life is like? It's a roller coaster. Up and down, up and down, up and down. Good one minute, bad the next. Good one minute, bad the next. <laughs> Whew. And you know how fast you can go down on one of those roller coasters. Pretty fast. Then Jesus said to him, he said unto him, which Jesus said, you will do no murder. Don't, don't murder. Some think like when in the Ten Commandments where it says you shall not kill. You're not supposed to kill anybody. It doesn't say that in the original. It says you, you should not murder. God, another truth, by the way, especially in this area. 
God believes in capital punishment. That's Genesis chapter 9. Yes, he does. Genesis chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Crystal clear in God's word. He does believe in capital punishment. Yes. But you know what? If, if you're a do-gooder and you think you got good in you and you think you're, you, you, you could believe God would be like that, that means you're comparing yourself to God. You're, or you're comparing yourself to someone you don't even know experientially. Okay? It's crystal clear. Crystal clear. There's so many problems that happen as a result of not following God's order. Capital punishment. Okay? Period. Period. But you shall not murder. But if we talk about murder, now we have to get God's mind about what murder truly is. I don't have to physically murder someone. I can by my language. That's Matthew, the fifth chapter. Start at verse 22 and go down to 29. And you will see. That's God's thoughts. That's right. Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't kill someone. No, but every the, the, the wrath and that that would cause you to do it, if you did it in your mind, God says you did it. How's that but good? Being a good boy and good girl? <laughs> Not happening. Not happening. You will do no murder. You will not commit adultery. Oh, adultery? What's that? Well, I don't know. Let me see what... Let's... You know what? Let's not go by opinions right now. Or by so-and-so. Or this... This uh, Rama, this Dolly, this... this, These... No, please. These cults. Right? So Matthew 5... Matthew 5... Verse 27, you have, heard, you have heard that it was said by them of all time, you will not commit adultery. Don't do it physically. But I say, who's talking? Jesus. Is Jesus God? I mean, have you even gotten that far in your belief system? That Jesus is God, your Savior, the God-man? But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his mind. Not his little ticker. Here. The mind, right here, right? See what that says? Well, here's Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said by them of old, you shall not kill. Murder, by the way. Again, we need to have proper translations. And whosoever will, be, will murder will be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother, without a cause, will be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever will say to his brother, Raka, will be in danger of the council. But whosoever will say, you fool, is in danger of him. That's what a murderous intent. You fool! <laughs> if I could, I'd... <laughs> You're going to go by your own thoughts? Huh? You're going to make a god... Of... You're going to be your own interpreter? You're going to interpret God without God? Hmm? Like some of these cults? No, there's good. No, there was good. No, there's not. If they don't preach and teach Christ, his person, and the work that he's accomplished, it's a cult. It's useless. We need to get that one. We need to get that one straight. 
I have to, I need a lot. Listen, trust me when I tell you, I need to get a lot of things straight too. Trust me. I'm not above anybody. I'm not below anybody. I am equal in terms of, I don't know anything outside of God's thoughts. Not a single thing. And you know, you know what thoughts are. How does God communicate his thoughts? He does it through his word. What are words? They're a vehicle for thought. And that's why way back in John 1 verse 1, the word is Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate state, who finally then, in God's timing in Galatians 4, 4, put on humanity, tabernacled himself in humanity in 1 verse 14, so that we could have what? He was filled up with all that what grace and truth is. The only goodness that is in us is Christ in us. We have a brand new nature. And all the goodness that is needed is in that nature, the life that Christ has given to each of us. But in the flesh, outside of thinking of him, there is absolutely no good. Okay, so now we'll go to Luke. Luke 18, verse 18, it says, A certain ruler asked him, saying, Oh, good master. You know how he's approaching Jesus? He's, he's approaching God like, like some of these cults do, or a Christian that doesn't have teaching, or any of us can do in the flesh. We're approaching with goodness that we think we, think we can even approach him based upon there's some good in us. That's what this guy was doing. Okay. A, a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master. Oh, it's so good. You know, like the cults? Some, you know, like some of the nicest people? Some of the nicest people, right? Do you, do, do you think that Satan is just in 1 Peter 5 8? Do you think he's just a roaring lion seeking to slaughter people? Or could he be an angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14? And Jesus said, about himself in Matthew 6, verse 22, if your eye be single, whose view should ours be? Christ and him only. Look away from all that would distract in Hebrews 12, 2, unto Jesus. Have eyes only for him. That means a heart open, a mind open to receive the reality of who God is expressed through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? That's what it says. That's what the Word of God says. That's why we need to get the Word of God in. Because He has to take out nonsense and put sense into our heads. What must I do? What must I do? What, what can I do to be equal to you? What can I do to bridge the gap between you and I? What will I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do? What's the goodness in me that will be equal that I could spend time with you, Lord? And Jesus answered unto him and said, Why do you call me good? Why are you low? Why do you think you can approach me in your goodness? No, none is good save one, that is God. Do you think he was excluding himself right here? No. 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 He was lowering the God man in his presence. He was trying to go around Christ to get to God. None of us would ever do that now. Okay. Why call me good? None is good save one. That is God. You know the commandment. Do not commit adultery. I mean, not one time. Because if you're so good, 
There's not one time you would ever think of lusting after a woman. Well, nowadays, you know, <laughs> men after men, you can get into Ro to Romans, the first chapter, the 18th verse, all the way to the 32nd, where it deals with homosexuality and lesbianism, crystal clear, not of God. Now, again, in our flesh, are we any better than any of them? Absolutely not. Nope. But we certainly are better off in Christ, and so could they if they would receive Christ. And if they did, they would not continue in that particular lifestyle. Ain't no question about it. Not that you couldn't fall into it, and God could eventually lead you out. No question about it. And then if you didn't, well, there would be certain steps in his love that he would take. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. I mean, if you even thought of taking something, you shouldn't. God says you did it. How are you going to live up to that one? I mean, come on, if you were so good, you wouldn't do that one, not even one time, would you? I mean, you're good, good is good, period, right? You don't mix anything with it, do you? Or does that make it bad again? I don't know. Does, you know, let's take the bakers. Like, go down to Berkshire Mountain Bakery. What does a little leaven do? Just a little bit. It affects the whole lump. One little bit. Why? No good. No good in you. No good in me, but plenty in Christ. Plenty in him. Right? So, okay, so do not steal and, and don't lie. Don't bear false witness. What's that mean? We can... <laughs> Thank God we're not our sins, right? Oh, Lord. I, I'm so thankful. In Romans 7, 17 and 7, 20, it is no longer I that do it, but sin. Thank you, God. I am not my sin anymore. Through Jesus Christ, the only goodness in him and what he accomplished in his person and the work that he finished to God and for each of us individually that receive him. Period. Very, very interesting this morning. Okay? Don't bear false witness. That could even be, that could even be, uh, you know, I don't feel that I'm really angry at someone, but I can hug them and still be angry and say, I love you. I don't know. Is that true? Come on. Are we just pretending in Romans 12, 9? Let love be without Pretending, let love be without hypocrisy. And thank God in Christianity, in a, in a local assembly, we can just be, and we talked about it yesterday, why don't we just be transparent anyway? Why don't we just be honest? Not in the flesh. Not in the flesh. <laughs> we don't want to be honest. There's no honesty in the flesh. Let's be, I'm going to be honest about my flesh. Oh, okay, thanks, but there's no honesty in it. Let's just be Transparent. You know, and it's a lot of times, no, no, I don't want to be vulnerable. Why? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm proud. I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to show that I'm weak. Guess what? Nice try. We're weak, every one of us. And all our strength is in him. It is. Every one of us are weak. Okay? Never mind the fig leaves. Come on. He sees right through them anyway. Who told you you were naked? Well, I thought, I thought Adam and Eve had the fig leaves on. You know. Probably had on a lot more than a lot of others do. Certain beaches and certain climates. Probably had on a lot, a lot more. 
and be sure of that one. <laughs> I'm sure there were certain parts that were completely covered, but I don't know. I bet that's just a hazarded guess. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> he knew the hearts of people in a fallen state, even Christians. And that's why, you know, I mean, you know, Proverbs 10, 12, 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers. Well, that's what it does. What do you mean? You don't think you can cause another Christian to stumble? By entering into an expose? <laughs> we used to call that in the first grade, show and tell. Yeah, I can tell what you have by what you show. I don't know what we're doing with that one. But God knows I have to trust him like you have no idea. No. Because, listen, it may be coming out of here, but let me tell you, you're going to tell your aunt, it's not like it's not convicting right here, because it is constantly. And remember, conviction doesn't necessarily, it means, it means that I am sinning or that it keeps me from sin. That's conviction. It's not just after. Oh, okay. <laughs> and again, that's why James 4 Verse 17, to him that knows to, to do good and does it not, to him it is what? Sin. What can I do? Jesus said in John 15, 1 through 5, okay, in the fifth verse, without me you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. And God is speaking these things to us because he so loves us. <laughs> he so loves us. Okay. So don't bear false witness. Stop giving off a false testimony. How you doing? Great. How you really doing? Not so good. <laughs> it's all of us, right? Come on. You know, when we choose to be deceived, and that's pride, we, we enter into denial. How you doing? Good. Sometimes you say that just because you don't even want to be bothered. How you doing? Good. <laughs> good is like, yeah. <laughs> ah. Oh, no way. Good. Good. <laughs> I've never done those things of you. <laughs> yes, I have. I need a savior constantly. Constantly. Because I know in my flesh there's no good thing. That's Romans 7, 18. I know it. And he's teaching me. Teaching me what I'm not and what I function in of what I'm not. And that that rejects his love. That's right. The flesh and the Christian rejects his love. That's Romans the 8th chapter and the 7th verse. And we can't please God in our position, but not in our experience. So as we wrap this up this morning, honor your father and your mother. Listen to that one. Honor your father and mother. You may not be able to agree with them. Maybe because they, they lack teaching. doesn't matter. You can still honor them and love them, but you don't have to submit to bad behavior, wrong behavior, wrong thoughts, but you can still love them and honor them, and you don't go behind their back and talk about them to your best friends. You can love them. Certain things we have to deal with in a governmental way in a local assembly, there's no question about that. There is no question about it. But honor your mother, your father and your mother. And I'm going to tell you something. If that means something in the natural, much more in the spiritual. You honor your spiritual parents. I, I mean it too. You honor, and, and honestly, and I mean this too. I mean this too. 
for instance, like, like Barbara and Diane and my wife, these women that are in their beautiful years, and I mean that too. You honor them as your spiritual moms. That's right. There's no question about it. Okay, and when you when you converse with them and communicate with them, <laughs> you have the same life, but you don't bring them down to your level. You always honor them and respect them in, in your life. And the same with, with spiritual dads, too. And we do that. I don't know, are both perfect? Both complete? We're complete in our position, but are we complete in our experience? Yet. Yet. Does God allow that honor that he honors them with to be done away with? And he doesn't. He doesn't. But we will with our own thoughts. Right? And so thank God, thank God, this morning as we got off on this whole, (laughs) all the things God was leading, thank God that we can be quickened. We'll have to get into quickened, and I will get into quickened, I I believe, because I wanted to continue on the flesh versus the spirit and how we, God was bringing that. But I think the quicken definitely goes with that also. And, uh, but he quickens us. He enlivens. That's what he's doing right now. He's giving us proper, his proper thinking, his proper love. His, everything about him, about this, is his love. He's giving, us, he's giving us the means of that that we can be convicted because it has to come from him. Otherwise, I don't have convictions. I only have my own thoughts. And again, those scriptures were Matthew 10, verse 4, Psalm 10, verse 4, Psalm 14, 1 through 3, Psalm 53, 1 through 3, uh, Psalm 50, verse 21. We don't want to mix our thoughts. Even in the preaching and teachings, boy, I'll tell you, God has told me so many times, Ed, do not mix you with my son. Don't do it. <laughs> Let your sentence in Psalm 17, verse 2, come forth from his presence. Amen? He loves us. Okay, I'm going to close with a word of prayer.